It's your Friday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys back for last show of the week and a good one, as they all are. You guys know that. At least I hope you think that. Adrian Heath, manager of Minnesota United soccer team, will be on with me here in a little bit. Adrian is always a great guest on this show. Got into some discussions of the season ahead, of course. The Loons begin play Saturday in Dallas, um, 2023 season. Four straight years in the playoffs. Can they make it a fifth? The challenge will be doing that with without, at least at the start of the season, their star, Emmanuel Reynoso, still not reporting to training camp, still not reporting to the team. A little bit of a mystery, but Adrian Heath and I talked about the situation with Reynoso a potential resolution and where that thing sits. So hope we hope that uh, sheds a little bit of light on where things are at with Emmanuel Reynoso. Have some Gophers football news at the end of the show. Um, a reminder of how you can watch Major League Soccer this season. First, though, what did I miss? Got a little Wolves and Wild at the beginning here. And we got to start with Carl Anthony Towns. And again, I know I talked a little bit about Towns on yesterday's show, but we got an update on Towns. If we thought that... The end of the All-Star break was going to be some kind of magic marker, so to speak, of Towns' availability. Um, people were kind of looking at, hey, you know, extra some extra time off, you know, an extra week off basically for the All-Star break. Maybe that gives him the extra recovery time he needs to finally come back from that calf strain he suffered in late November. Um, turns out this was not any kind of magic or anything like that. It was just another day. Injury report came out Thursday. Towns still listed as out with that calf strain. It's been 88 days, 12 and a half weeks, almost three full months since the injury happened on November 28th. Chris Finch addressing that in media availability on Thursday, reading from Chris Hines' story in the Star Tribune. Um, Final stages of ramping up to play, according to Finch. Towns is right now. But uh, still out and still no definitive timeline for when he might return. Quote from Finch, he's itching to play. I don't think that it's a question of anything like going off path right now. I think it's just literally going through the final stages of what that looks like. I don't know how long it's going to be, but talking to him, I definitely sense more so than any other conversation I've had with him up to this point that he's chomping at the bit to get back and ready to help this team when that time comes. Problem is, time's running out. There's only 21 games left in the regular season. A lot of big ones coming up as the Wolves try to make the playoffs or the play-in or whatever iteration they're going to be in. And like Chris points out in his game story, um, or I'm sorry, in his in his story, they're you know eighth in the West right now, but they're only a game and a half ahead of the number 12 seed, two games behind the number four seed. I feel like the Lakers are charging hard. They won again last night. I feel like this there's going to be a lot of fluctuation. Every game is going to matter. Um, and any range of outcomes is certainly still possible for this team, depending on how they play in these 21 games. Now, that's not a reason to rush Towns back if and when he, you know, if and when he's ready, he should play. But it is frustrating to not know the timeline and to know that it's getting closer and closer to the end of the season. Finch addressed that for sure. It's getting short, but I couldn't put a marker on when his return is. I just know mentally he's there. You'll have to ask him this, but I don't get a sense that he's at a place where he feels like he's held back by anything unnecessarily. I feel, I think he feels like he's just finishing off the process. You know, the process for me has been frustrating. 
I'm sure it's been frustrating for Towns. I'm sure it's been frustrating for the Wolves. The frustrating thing for me is that there's been no transparency through any of this. There's never been a timetable, and that's fine. But at least tell us what, what this. What was the severity of the injury? Was this a grade two calf strain? Was this a grade three calf strain? Why is it taking what seems like longer than anticipated for him to return from this injury? Is it is this an expected timetable? If you if you create expectations or at least create a a reasonable timeline for expectations at the beginning then you can adjust them and you can say yeah well actually this is taking longer because xyz we have not known a single thing about this injury um other than it's a calf strain and other than you know towns still being listed out 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 and again i get calf strains can be finicky calf strains can be a difficult thing to diagnose calf strains have a wide range of when you can come back from them which makes it difficult the longer it takes for him to come back, though, the more it just invites speculation. I mean, a month ago, I texted Chris Hines saying, my hot take is that Carl won't be won't play again this year. They'll make up a rehab setback in early March and then trade him this summer. And again, I have no insight into that. I just kind of, my senses, whatever, you know, whatever's going on with this team feels like it's becoming Anthony Edwards' team with Carl Anthony Towns out and would a trade this summer make sense. And the longer we go with him out, the the less likely it feels to me like he'll play. Now, maybe it is just a matter of he's got to be fully ready. Maybe it'll be five more games, a couple more weeks, and he will be fully ready to play and come back, and we'll see how how he does. And again, you don't want to rush this because a calf strain can turn into an Achilles problem. You saw it with Kevin Durant. You don't want that to happen because then it's a much longer, delicate rehab process, and then, then you've really done yourself no favors. But the frustration is that there's been a complete lack of transparency in all this, that invites speculation, and that is what's happening right now. So we'll be we'll continue to be patient. I guess we can't do anything else, but I think they've mishandled this from the beginning, and they are reaping the uh, consequences of that right now. Now, happier news. The wild, of course. The law of averages, right? Right when we all get on the Gus bus, um, Philippe Gustafsson playing very well. I wrote the other day, I talked the other day about how if the playoffs started tomorrow— Philip Gustafson would be my goalie. He'd be my he'd be my choice to be in the net. Mark Andre Fleury had been struggling for the past couple of weeks, and honestly, for the past three months, he has not been great. His save percentage down below 900 over the last three months. So you look at that and you say Philip Gustafson is just flat out outplaying Mark Andre Fleury. I don't care if he's a three time Cup winner. I don't care if he's a future Hall of Famer. Perhaps um, you go with the goalie who is playing better. Then of course Fleury gets a start against Columbus on Thursday. Makes a bunch of big saves in a 2-0 shutout. Looks as good as he has in quite some time. So now, of course, um, you know the arrow starts to tilt the other way. I don't think it's tilted. Uh, I don't think that affects much of my overall opinion. I think the biggest thing is that it's good for the Wild, of course, to have Flurry playing well again. Let's let's have this be a tough decision, right? Let's have this. Let's have both goalies going well towards the postseason. Let's see the Wild get in and have to make that decision about who who is who should be a net because both of them are playing well not because one of them is outplaying the other and it becomes a controversy more because one of them is more accomplished and the other one is playing better. So that, to me, was obviously a good sign for the Wild. It was a strange game, though. I mean, they got two goals early, um, you know, some nice goals early. Kirill Kaprizov uh, scored. Um, You know, they got some offense right away, and then it just kind of stopped. It dried up for almost the entire rest of the game. And they still get the win. You know, style points don't matter that much. doesn't matter how you get it done. Columbus, not a good team, but... You know, that said, would have liked to see them pile on a little bit more offense in that game. And by the way, the Wild involved in another trade, second one of these in the week or so. 
the Wild basically leveraging the the amount of cap space they have this year, which is pretty a pretty significant amount of cap space they have this year, leveraging that to get in the middle of a trade, become a third team, taking on some salary and getting a draft pick in return. In this case, getting in the middle of a Washington and Boston trade to take on some salary and get a fifth round pick in this year's draft. They did that a week ago, got a fourth round pick in the 2025 draft out of it. Um, you know, it's not going to cost the Wild a whole lot of, of salary or cap space, so it's a pretty smart move in terms of uh, just in terms of financial bookkeeping. Essentially, buying a draft pick, taking another shot at the draft. These aren't high draft picks, but they are worthy draft picks. So that's interesting to me that they're that Bill Guerin is finding a way to add to their draft capital by using their cap space. It's kind of a kind of a weird finesse. I don't remember seeing this a whole lot in the league in the past. But hey, more power to him. And you know, I joked going down to the bar to have a big big discussion about you know acquiring ca- acquiring draft picks for cap space it's not it's not the kind of move that's going to you know inspire a whole lot of oh did they get the better side of the deal but it is you know at the end of the day if this makes them better at some point in the future you cannot uh you can't quibble with the with the results would be nice to see them maybe add a player and not just draft picks or cap space and maybe we'll see that before the trade deadline next week take a playcation to mystic lake with 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Always a pleasure to have... Adrian Heath, Minnesota United manager, on with me here on Daily Delivery. We've had you on a few times, Adrian, in the past and always enjoy our conversation. Your season starts Saturday, for those of you who can't believe that because we're buried in snow right now. It's not happening here, fortunately, but uh, yeah, uh, just, a, just a day or so away now from, from that opener, Adrian. Are you, uh, are you ready? Always ready, always excited, Michael. You know, it's that time of the year where... You know, everybody, a lot of apprehension about, everybody's excited about what's to come. And um, I was thinking about it the other day. I think this is my 46th opening day of the season wow. since I left school. So it's, um, I never get tired of the opening day. Everybody starts with that optimism and everybody believes this is going to be the year and we're no different. Yeah. Um, you know, as I've said to you before, my, my glass is always off full and I'm, you know, we've had a, but a few things that have gone on in the off season, which yes. have tested that a little bit. But uh, hey, I'm I'm excited for the game in Dallas this weekend for sure. Well, one of those things I we might as well talk about this at the front because I don't think we can talk about the loons this year without talking about Emmanuel Reynoso and his absence right now. And I don't want to dwell on that, but we certainly need to get to that. And there's there's a personal aspect to it, I'd imagine, and there's a tactical aspect, I would imagine. Maybe we can start with the, the tactical and just. Since Ray has not been here since training began in early January, how how do you prepare for you know whatever tactical adjustments you make when you don't have a player like that who's meant so much to you to you in the last few years? How do how do you readjust what you do, particularly on offense and with possession? Well, I think first things first, it it would be foolish of me to come on here and say that we're not disappointed. Um, I think everybody knows what my relationship is with Ray. Um, there's not a bigger advocate for him than me within this league. Um, and it's caused a little bit of a problem for us, no doubt about it. We've spent the last two and two years 
trying to put pieces around him that will help Rafe flourish and do the things that we know he does best, which is score goals and make goals. So, you know, when we're in the off-season, trying to put a picture together, of put the jigsaw together of what we want it to look like, at no stage do we envisage doing that without Ray in it. Sure. So, you know, I, I think, as I say, it would be foolish for me to say that that's not been an issue. Um, what we have to do as a group, and I say a group, I mean the coaching staff and the rest of the players, we have to try and minimise the loss of somebody like this. You know, if you take the best players out of the best teams or any team in any sport, Michael, it affects yes. the group. You, you know, I'm, yeah. you take you take LeBron out of the Lakers or whatever sport it may be. You take Carlos Valor out of LAFC and it's bound to have an effect. What we've got to do is try and minimise that effect. We've we've actually tried a few different formations pre-season. We've we've tried a four-three-three behind closed doors. We've played a three-five-two. So we've we've looked at the situation. What I will say is that this situation is not over. Yeah, you know, I I was fortunate enough over the last few days to speak to Ray's father and his um, and his brother, and we're we're hopeful that we can resolve this sooner rather than later. One thing, you know, the season's not started yet. We have right. a long season. There's still an awful lot of time ahead of us to get Ray back, get him integrated into the group again and and let him showcase his talents, which are there for all to see. But uh, as I say, it would be foolish to say it's not been a, a little wrinkle in the uh, the way that we've tried to plan things. Well, absolutely. And from that standpoint, if I might follow up, I, I had read that you had spoken with his father and his his brother. And, you know, over the last two months, you've expressed various degrees of optimism. We're hoping he's coming soon and then you're not yeah. sure. And I'm sure that's difficult. Um, as much as you can say right now, do we know, like, do you have a clear understanding or at least a, a partial understanding of of what what he wants or, or why he's not here at this point? Well, I think that the most important thing for us was to find out whether he wanted to be here. Because I've, I've been in this game a long time, Michael, and, and sometimes people don't want to be in certain places for certain reasons, yes. whether they don't like it in their, where they're living, whether it's financial. None of that is, this is none of that is an issue. Okay. Ray wants to be here. That was the one thing his father and his brother told me in the week. They've, they've been speaking to him a lot recently and I'm, I'm hopeful that we okay. can get back here. So, you know, and at the end of the day, that's, that's all I want. Once you've got past the disappointment in the beginning of not being here, then it becomes a personal thing. You, you're worrying, is, is he okay? Is yeah. you know, is everything okay with his health and everything? And we've been assured by his, his family that he's okay. He's going through one or two issues that he wants to deal with. And as I say, we we need to concentrate now on what's ahead of us with the group that we have. But we are we are hopeful. Sure, and that you know leads me to you do have a match Saturday, and anytime yeah. something like this happens, it, it does create to a certain degree opportunities for other players a chance to see you know what other people can do different styles that might work as you think about that you know any names come to the forefront or any any players who might play a greater role this year than than might have been might have even been imagined two months ago well i i don't know about two months ago but certainly we need robin Lowe to step up as he has always done for us you know robin's got consistently better wherever we played him on the field, whether it be a deep-lying midfield player, whether it be attacking number 10, whether it be wide left, wide right. You know, and when we went to the Western Conference final a couple of years ago, he played as a false nine. We're going to need Robin to be at his best for sure. 
but you know, Bongi Wangwani has come in and had a and looked really strong and quick in preseason. You know, we we know there's a lot of talent there. We need him now to start to put some finishing touches to all the hard work that he does, um, getting himself in good spots, a little bit more composure in the final third. So if he can bring a little bit more to it. And then obviously we've got the likes of Mender Garcia, who we bought last year, you know, he's 23 years of age. Now he's settled, he knows where he is, knows where he is in the Twin Cities, got his family here, got his, got his children, his child here. Um, so we're expecting more of him. And when I look at, you know, Kervin Arriaga, who started so well last year and then had that eye uh, ankle sprain, which yeah. was really caused him a lot of discomfort throughout the year. And I don't think he ever got back to his sort of first, sort of third of the season. We're looking for big things from him now. He needs to step on now. He's, you know, he's a, he's a really good age. He's a great athlete, got a great range of passing. We think he's got goals in him. So these type of players now who have come in and shown a little bit of promise, we need them now to start to really deliver on the field where it matters. And uh, we're hopeful that they can do that. Now you've shown in you know the last four years and making the postseason all four of those years that you've been able to navigate a lot of difficult stretches, whether it's you know having problems scoring, whether it's injuries, things like that. Like you always have managed to get results and get into that top seven in the conference. How does that then go now into 2023 in terms of both internal expectations and you know from from where I sit, it does seem like there might be more external doubters than maybe there have been in past years, but maybe I'm not reading that correctly. And how does that match up with your own internal projections? External doubters, Michael, that's a nice way of putting it. I think that we've been sort of underdogs and forgotten about for the last four or five years. We've confounded the critics every year. You know, I think people forget we're the only team that's made the playoffs the last four years in the Western Conference. And when you consider the teams, the size of the clubs that we're playing against and the amount of money they spend on their respective rosters, I think it speaks volumes for the job that not only the coaching staff, but certainly the players have done over the last four years. Hey, it looks like we're going to have to confound the critics again. <laughs> I don't I don't read the so-called experts' uh, comments because, as you like to know, I always say that hindsight United's never been beaten and... Um, Yes. Everybody's got a great opinion after the event. Unfortunately, I have to make it before. And uh, yeah, it's going to be difficult. I think that Portland, who spent heavily again in the offseason, didn't make it. They will be very, very close. Seattle didn't make it for the first time in the history. They've got two or three of their big players back. Um, I think that San Jose will be better this year. So when I look at the league and look at the teams that I've managed to get a little glimpse of in preseason down in Coachella, um, it's going to be a tough year for us, but no tougher than the last four, and we've managed to make the playoffs. Um, that has to be the aim again. You yeah. know, as I said to the players on the first day, minimum required, minimum requirement is maximum effort, and then we have to go see where that takes us, and hopefully that will be in the playoffs again. Now, you mentioned the underdog mentality, and it's kind of funny because I was talking before um, earlier today, before I started recording with my friend John Marthaler, who's done some work, obviously covering your team and does a good job and is very invested in soccer. And he's like, "What? Well, one thing I'd be interested to know from Adrian is what what keeps him motivated to do this job? You know, coaching what has been to a degree an underdog team. You're a legend in England. Like, what what keeps you in this league, in this job, and, and wanting to kind of push this thing forward? Well, first and foremost, I wake up every morning and I love the job. You know, I always say I'm. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I don't feel as though I've ever had a proper job. You know, this is something that, you know, I 
I do this job now because it's the nearest there is to playing. Yeah. I can't tell you how much I loved playing the game. So now to be able to be in a position where you can influence younger players to try and get them on the next path of their career, that's a motivation. But I said when I got here, I hope this will be my last job in football. And to do that, I know I have to be successful. So I still wake up every morning, Michael, with the with the drive and desire to be successful and to prove people wrong, to move this club forward, um, to get better each year, to get the infrastructure better. You know, when I look at where we were four or five years ago than where we are today, you know, the academy's coming along coming along nicely. We we look like we've got some interesting players there. The second team now, I look at some of the guys that we bought in in the off-season there. So there's a lot to be optimistic about. And um, as I say, I, I wake up every morning blessed that I've got this job and I will continue to do it as, as long as I can. You mentioned the academy, which I think is interesting. And then it, the, the, the transition that the academy underwent three, four years ago and then to where it is now, when when it did undergo that in kind of the early years and what it, what it used to be versus what it is now, if it if it had been more like what it is now that back then would, would you be in a different position in terms of player development and things like that? And how, just how important is the Academy to a club like United? That's not going to spend every, every penny like some of these other teams are. Well, I think it's going to be huge down the road. And I think I speak for everybody that I would love to see a day when Minnesota United run out and there's eight, nine, 10 local guys play that that's the ultimate aim for every club who has an Academy. Sure. Um, we, you know, I know we had a little bit of criticism early on about our commitment to the academy, but we had so many things to try and achieve. You can only do so much. And, um, yeah, I think we would be in a better position had we had a thriving academy from the beginning. But you have to understand that we probably came into the, the MLS a little bit earlier than we had to, than we probably would have liked. We had so much to do. We had to get the stadium built. Yeah, We had to then start to put put people on the field. You know, we didn't have a DP for the first three, three and a half years. So, you know, it's been a long process, Michael, but you don't build a club. You know, when people talk about academies, I look at Dallas, probably the best academy in the country. I've been in the States 13 years. Dallas had a thriving academy when I arrived here. Yeah. So, they, that you know, they've been investing for a long period of time, not only on the infrastructure of the club, but with the coaching and everything that goes along with it and, you know, we we were in its infancy still, but we are getting better. You know, Amos McGee has gone on to that side now, and I think he'll do a really good job with that. We are invested in the academy. And, you know, we've we've seen the first little shoots, if you like. You know, Fred Emmons has come along, Devin Padalford. Um, I looked at one or two of the kids that we, we took with us in preseason. You know, Carlos Lederman did excellently. And, and from speaking to... The coaching staff at the the bottom end of the club, in terms of the younger group, they're really optimistic and quite excited about some of the kids that we've got. So, yeah, we are invested, we're committed, and um, the sooner that we can get people through into uh, competing and playing in the first team, that will be a very, very uh, a great day, in fact, for the club. Yes, and speaking of the first team, I'd obviously that's where the focus is right now and as, as you think about this year and we maybe you talked about a couple names already but what what excites you about the roster as you think about you know the possibilities for this season and you know potentially a style or an identity that might emerge based on you know certain you know certain guys coming along well i, I think as i said to you before I, I look at 
you know, we've got so many sort of question marks and so many things that we're looking what's going to happen over the next few months, you know. Asani Dotson's coming back. You know, it's like a year that we've missed him. That's going to be like signing a new player. Yeah. You know, as I said before, can Kervin Ariaga take that next step that we believe he can become one of the elite players, midfield players in the league? Can Bongi Lungwani start to fulfil the promise and take a fair perspective you know, portion and percentage of his chances that he creates for himself at times. These are all questions, I think, that are really going to define where we are come the end of the season. You know, we're still hopeful of bringing a couple of more attacking pieces. You know, we're, we feel as though we're very close on pulling the, uh, you know, announcing uh, an under-22 signing. You know, that's very close at this moment in time. So we're excited about some of the younger guys. If we can bring the players in that we've been looking at to complement this group, then I, then I think there's no reason we all can't be excited. And I think there's going to be some really good performances ahead for us. You know, I think we've talked about this before, but, you know, and it's just the nature of the league. But how much of it is a, is a challenge for you to think about, you know, just because of how the transfer windows work and things like that? There's You're, you're planning for the here and now, but you're also thinking about guys you might be able to add in a month or two and getting them, you know, acclimated how, whenever they might arrive in terms of instead of just having your roster set at the start of the year? Yeah, I think there's some good and some bad in that, Michael, in the fact that now we have an opportunity where most of the windows around the world have closed. I think yes. there's only a couple of places. I think Turkey might have got an extension through the un unfortunate earthquake. I think there's still an opportunity in Russia. That's if you're allowed to deal with it. But after that, most of the countries now are you know, a couple in South America, most of them have closed the transfer window. That's a positive because now clubs know what they've got for the next six to eight months and they're going to have to work around that. So there may be players available. The, the, the downside, I think, is the fact that because we haven't got the same sort of transfer window as everybody else, we sometimes we wait and wait and then you're into the season and you don't get enough, enough time with these guys. Then you've got to wait for all their work permits and visas to come through, which might take another month, five, six weeks. So there are, there are pluses and minuses in it, but you know the bottom line is that we still have an opportunity to add. And as I said, we're, we're hopeful that we can bring a couple of more quality attacking pieces to this group, because if we do, we will have a really abundance of good strikers and a little bit different types as well favorite question that I always ask you and I save it for last what else are you watching these days because I know you're an avid sports fan what's what's piqued your curiosity besides preparing your well, club for the start of this season I've, I've loved the Netflix um the break point the tennis okay sort of documentary I just started today I think this morning I turned the Netflix about the golf um, yeah oh yeah I haven't watched that yet yeah yeah which is going to be interesting obviously with the the, the live golf thing that's gone All on right. this year That'll be interesting if they, they treat it honestly and answer the questions honestly. Yes. I think there'll be some really good stuff to come there. And uh, I think the Drive to Survive season four starts this weekend. So huge Formula One fan. Right. So I know you are. Can, yeah, hopefully I can get uh, get into that. So a lot of sports stuff plus the, the usual crime stuff from the UK, which I like. Oh my goodness. You are, so you got, you got all sorts of stuff going on. Well, that's, I, lo I always love to hear what you're uh, you're watching. That informs some of what I should be watching. I've never gotten into F1, but I, I keep, I've got a couple of friends who are way into it, and I know I should probably give it a try at some point. You're not into the NASCAR, Michael, are you? No, no, I'm not into well, any I'm auto racing. If, if I'm going to get into anything, it'll be Formula One because the personalities yeah. are just too good. I, I think if you watch the, the the first one, Drive to Survive, okay. you'll have a good idea. It starts to give you a little bit more of what goes on to 
these incredible cars to do what they do. Okay. Well, we'll see if the loons run like a well-run machine this year and see how, uh, see how that all goes for you. Starts Saturday in, uh, in Dallas home opener a couple weeks from now too. So yeah. see if we can get the snow cleared off of Allianz field and get things all ready to go. And uh, we'll hope for that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Looking forward to coming home for sure. All right. Always appreciate your time, Adrian. Take care. Anytime, Michael. Thank you. Good stuff from Adrian Heath, as always. Always appreciate his honesty, his candor, his thorough answers. Uh, one of the best in the business in terms of talking, and obviously one of the you know one of the best in the business in terms of coaching a team. I don't think this is to be taken lightly that that's, that the Loons have made the playoffs for four years in a row. That is an accomplishment that he should be proud of, that the Loons should be proud of, and we will see if they can make it five in a row. Reminder, if you want to watch the Loons this season, you are going to need to get MLS Season Pass on Apple TV. Pretty good deal if you love soccer. All Major League Soccer games, every single game, available for a total of $99 for the whole season, or I think $15 a month. There's some discounts if you already have Apple TV. Um, season ticket holders get a major break, too. But um, there's not going to be a whole lot of other options to watch it. A couple of them are free. You don't need the season pass for it, including the opener Saturday. Looks like that one is free on Apple TV, giving people kind of a sample of what that will look like. But if you want to watch the Loons this year, not Valley Sports North anymore, you're going to want to get the uh, the Apple TV pass to MLS pass to watch all of those games not just loons games all the games you can't buy a separate package just for the loons you get all or nothing and so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out for the league and the loons this season whether that increases their reach or if people say "Eh, I'm gonna pass on that I don't need to buy one more thing uh, as part of my sports viewership so we'll see how that works out for them Let's finish with the cooler. Interesting. Um, you know, I think feel like the Gophers football team has benefited quite a bit from the transfer portal in the past few years, but looks like PJ Flex team losing some defensive back depth right now. Um, saw on StartToBe.com Randy Johnson's story. Beanie Bishop entering the transfer portal, the fourth defensive back to enter the portal since the end of the 2022 season. Michael Dixon, Jalen Glaze, and Stephen Ortiz also leaving the Gophers to go to different programs in the portal. So I don't know how much that impacts their depth going forward. I'm sure a lot of guys that go in the portal, you know, are going to try to get playing time somewhere else. But, you know, Beanie Bishop did play all 13 games with the Gophers last season. So, you know, had 29 tackles. So, you know, a, a def- definitely someone they might miss next season. We'll see how that depth plays out. But I just thought it was interesting. I feel like they've benefited a lot from the portal, but the portal taketh and the portal giveth, and it is taking away, in this case, for PJ Flex Gophers. That'll do it for this week. Should have a bunch of good shows coming up next week. I'm sure we'll talk a bunch of twins. They play their first uh, spring training games on Saturday. Uh, The Wolves back in action tonight against Charlotte. Plenty of stuff on tap. Royce, you should be back with me on Monday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll talk to you then.